0: Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Sarah. I'm one of the pastors at the Vine Church in Pasco, Washington. And I'm just honored to get to speak today about community. Community is so important. As many of you know, I grew up in Guinea West Africa. I was a missionary's kid. And so I grew up most of my life overseas. And when I was 18 years old, I came back to the United States to live here and to go to college. And so I moved into uh, a college dorm when I was 18, and I had very little experience living in the United States. And I think uh, my expression must've just looked like a deer in the headlights the whole time. Everything was so new. I, was, I went through a tremendous amount of culture shock and I was unsure how to make friends and how to talk to people. And everything was just so unfamiliar. To me, and I remember in that season a community of people became just so so important to me and really helped sustain me through that season. I had a wonderful college roommate who happened to be a missionary kid from Brazil, and whereas I was shy and reserved and quiet and scared to death, <laughs> she was just exuberant and outgoing and and very excited to be there. And so she made friends quickly, and we both were were Bible majors and she pulled me into her group of friends and and very quickly that they became like family to me a place where a community in which I could I could belong and I could I could have conversations and hang out and be me as quirky as I was at that time in that season of life and and we got to be together and to hang out and to laugh and cry together and that community Really was a lifeline for me. We are created as relational beings and we need a community to belong to. And so today I get to speak about Christian community, the church being a community. And I'm just going to be piggybacking off of Micah's message last week. So Micah spoke on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came powerfully over the disciples and the apostles and the apostles began to preach Um, and to share the message of Jesus in different languages, in languages they had previously not known. And people began to hear the message in their own language through the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit came, these language barriers and these culture barriers were broken. And that was the beginning of church community, or as we'll find out, communities, plural. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, towards the end of, of the apostle's message, well, we, we read this description. Those who accepted his message, and that being Peter, who was the main speaker, those who ex- accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Three thousand people believed in Jesus and were baptized and added to their number that day. So this really was the beginning of a movement. Thousands of people had come from all over the world in that region to worship God in Jerusalem um, during during this festival, this season of fe- this time of festival. And these thousands of people would then return. Um, to their homes, to, to these places with different languages and different cultures and return with the message of Jesus and begin house churches. And so we see how this was the beginning of a movement that spread exponentially in the first century. And it was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost really was the catalyst for this movement and, and the beginning of these communities. And, and I want to point out two things that was really central to, to these communities. First of all, that these house churches, these, these communities that began were centered around Jesus. They were centered around the belief and commitment to Jesus, the risen Savior. And secondly, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God within people. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so as these church communities formed, they looked drastically different than the communities around them. The the Holy Spirit and the message of Jesus empowered a new way of being together. Was the catalyst for a new way of operating in in, in social groups together. There were new ways of interacting, new ways of viewing the other people around um, them, and it drastically changed. The ordinary day-to-day routines and how people lived. And so that's kind of what I want to look at today. I want to hone in on our, the description we have in Acts 2 of what these communities looked like, what they were like. So I'll be reading today from Acts 2, chapter, uh, Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a beautiful vision and description of what the church community looked like at the very, very beginning when the Holy Spirit came. And so I'm going to dive into this passage. But before we do so, I also want to mention that this isn't the only picture of the church in the New Testament. We will find out as you continue to read Acts and then read the letters in the New Testament that the church had a whole lot of problems and a whole lot of messy relationships and things were hard and chaotic and there was struggle to to really reflect the love and the mission of Jesus. So I don't want us to pretend that once the church started, it was you know this utopia, and and I, I certainly don't want to look at this passage and say, okay, here are the four things that they devoted themselves to, and let's use it like a little utopian formula. If we do these things, then all will be perfect and all will be well. That's really not realistic, and yet there's something beautiful in this vision and this description of community. I wanna look at this description carefully and ask the question, what can the church look like when it's it's being shaped by the Holy Spirit and it's thriving? What What can our church communities look like when the Holy Spirit is shaping the church and the church is thriving. And I think we have a lot, a lot of rich um, things to learn from this passage. So let's go back into it. Um, I want to read the first verse again because it's kind of a summary statement, and it lists four things that were their primary practices. It says verse 42: they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So those four things, I wanna take a look at those four things. So the first thing is the apostles teaching. And we just listened to Micah last week describe to us the message of Peter at Pentecost that they were preaching about Jesus' life and his teachings, the things that Jesus taught, the miracles he performed, the fact that he was crucified and he was the son of God and God raised Jesus from The dead and Peter's big conclusion in his sermon is that Jesus, whom you crucified, is both Lord and Messiah. And so we see how people were cut to the heart and they believed in Jesus. They repented and they were baptized and they began to follow Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. So this really is the gospel. when we say gospel, gospel just means good news. The good news of Jesus is that Jesus came. Jesus is the son of God who taught and lived. He was crucified and yet he is the risen savior. He rose from the dead and he offers us new life. And so the commu- the church communities that began uh, after Pentecost devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to this gospel news, this good news of Jesus. And we're told that it was accompanied with many signs and wonders, the Holy Spirit working through the apostles to perform miracles, to confirm their message. The second thing that is listed here is fellowship, and the Greek word used here is koinonia, and this is a word that we've talked about quite a bit in the in the last few months as we went through uh, the letter First John. John talks about this koinonia, this fellowship, and, and it means to live in community to have close relationships, to have a common interest that binds you together. And there's this idea of, of mutual and active participation that all parties in this community are participating and involved and in close relationship. And community is based on having something in common. When I think back, um, to my college years, that, you know, that community that was so tight knit, we, we had all just moved away from home. We were all in college and we all had the same major, you know, so that, that was what, what we had in common, what first drew us together. Here we see that the good news of Jesus as Lord and Messiah was what the churches had in common. And it brought them together. And what I love about this type of community is that though there's this central commonality, there's also so much room for diversity. There's so much room for diversity. In Jesus, people were united who came from very different backgrounds, very different cultures, beliefs, and personalities, and they were able to thrive together because of their common uh, connection to Jesus. And so the, ho- the Holy Spirit coming on Pentecost was the catalyst for this new type of community. You know, when I think about this, I, I think about the apostles and sometimes, you know, 2000 years later, as we read about the disciples or the apostles and we, we, we kind of clump them together in a group and we, we think they're, they come as a group. And yet when Jesus called them to, to follow, they were all so different. It was a motley of a group, a very unlikely Bunch, and just to, to give an example, a few of them were fishermen and they were the, the, from the low class of society, not highly respected. There was a zealot in there, someone who was actively fighting against the Roman Empire, who, who was this oppressive empire who'd conquered Israel and was taxing them greatly and, and requiring much of the people and, and, and they were angry about this oppression and fighting against this empire. And yet also Jesus calls a tax collector, who's a Jew working for this empire on the payroll of the Roman empire, helping to collect these exorbitant taxes and often in extra taxes that they would pocket themselves. These are the people or some of the people that make up the group, the apostles. And so Jesus drew together people that were very different, who wouldn't normally be in community together. And through the message of Jesus and through the outpouring of the Spirit of God, this group that had their, their faith in common, their beliefs and commitment to Jesus in common, that united them in such a way that was much stronger than all the forces and differences that was pulling, trying to pull them apart. And so when thousands of people Believed in Jesus as the Messiah and joined the movement. We see a similar thing taking place. And there was drastic change in their daily living. Um, we hear in this description of, of the, the, the Christians, at least those who stayed in Jerusalem meeting daily at the temple, which would be like the, the prominent place to, to bear witness to Jesus, to share the message and then also meeting daily in their homes to eat and pray together, and that would be the primary place of fellowship. We also see how in this very diverse group, there was a radical change in how generous they were. They were voluntarily holding their possessions in common. And I know for us in our individualistic society, we're a little bit wary of of this idea, that's a little bit cult-like, and that's, that's really not what it was. As people came together in community centered around Jesus, there was this radical recognition that we are all a part of one family, that we are all a part of this one community together, and that God is providing for us through each other, that God is providing individuals with what they need and others need. And we, they got the opportunity to share. And this was not a new concept for the Israelites. In fact, in Deuteronomy 15, we read um, how how God is talking to the Israelites and he's saying, there, there need be no poor among you. You know, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you everything you need. There there wouldn't even need to be poor among you. And yet God continues in Deuteronomy 15 verse 11, but there will always be poor in the land. God says, I know there will be those in need. Therefore, I command you to be open handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Be open handed with each other. I'm providing for all. And so, some of the times I'm providing for others through what I give to you. This idea of be, you are blessed to be a blessing was, was something that we see. We see that throughout the history of Israel. And so here, knowing Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit was the catalyst for a loving community in which everyone's needs was met. And so the first thing they were devoted to, the apostles' teaching. The second thing, this this type of fellowship, this type of community. And and the next two things listed kind of further describe this type of community. The breaking of bread. And this is a, an expression that's simply to mean eating together, eating a meal together. And isn't it true that food and meals are just central in every culture? <laughs> I mean, that's where the conversations happen. That's where relationships are formed. That's where treaties are for, are signed, all the things. I mean, food is so central in every culture. And this breaking of bread, not only refers to this community aspect, but also it had a, an extra significance, an increased significance, as Jesus um, in his last meal with the, the disciples, he had he had told them, Hey, when you break bread together, when you drink wine together, remember me. And we often refer to this as communion or the Eucharist, or we refer back to Jesus' last supper. And Jesus instated this, telling his disciples and followers to to when they came together and broke bread and drank the wine to remember Jesus as the crucified Messiah, to remember that Jesus was the crucified Messiah. And taking this, we are declaring that Jesus is also the risen savior because we know that he was crucified and God rose him from, raised him from the dead. So we have apostles teaching, we have community, the breaking of bread, and then we have prayer is what they list. And this is referring to both the public and the private prayers of the community. It was very likely that the Christians in Jerusalem continued to go to the temple during the Jewish uh, designated prayer times and pray with the larger community um, in that time and place. And then also, we see a description of them gathering in homes daily and eating together and praising God and praying together in the Christian community in the homes. It was a way of life marked by prayer and praise and joy in God and what God had done for people through Jesus. This type of community that we see here Was just a beautiful witness for Jesus. And so we have in this description, uh, Luke says that the, the church community enjoyed favor of the favor of all the people that people saw this community were just amazed by it. And now we know in history that won't always be the be, be the reaction and there will be persecution to come. But at first, when people saw what this Christian community looked like, they were amazed and they enjoyed the favor of all people and God added to their numbers. God drew people. And when people saw what this community was about, they said, yes, I want to be a part of that. So as we talk about community, the one thing I want to just hone in on is that it was the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost that empowered this movement of, of Christian community that then exponentially grew in the first century. It was a community or communities, if you think of all the little house churches, communities rooted in being united in Jesus, united in their acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is the crucified and risen savior. And also, a community guided by the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here we are uh, over 2000 years later in Tri-Cities, Washington, and we are one small, very small piece of this global movement that is the church, that this movement continued And there are Christian communities all over the world in all different languages, all worshiping and praising God for Jesus, the risen Savior, the crucified and risen Savior. And so today, as we look at this passage, I want to invite us as a small piece of this global movement I want to invite us here at the Vine Church to be a community centered around Jesus and shaped by the Holy Spirit, a community centered around Jesus and shaped by the Holy Spirit right here in 2021, right here in Pasco, Washington You know, we are invited into this beautiful and rich relationship with both God and with each other. And as I look at this passage, again, it's not a utopian formula. These aren't the four things we have to do and then all things will be perfect. Though I will say these are amazing things. And yes, we are committed to participating in the, you know, the teachings of Jesus and, and talking about who Jesus is and fostering fellowship and community and breaking bread together and praying together. These are all good things that are part of the kingdom of God. But I wanna ask us, today, what does it look like for us in our time and place to be this type of community, to be a community that is centered around Jesus and shaped by the Holy Spirit? How would it change our routines, our ordinary life? Like what are the weekly routines that would change? What are the daily? habits and routines? What would that look like if we were a community centered around Jesus and shaped by the Holy Spirit? How would that influence how we relate to one another, both at church and also in our homes with our families, how we engage and how we view each other? How would that affect how we engage others in, in our larger community here in the Tri-Cities when we go out in our workplaces. What does it look like in our everyday lives as individuals and as a community, as a collective, to be centered around Jesus and shaped by the Holy Spirit? Because this, friends, is the invitation to be this type of community, to be the church in our everyday lives. It's not about coming to church on Sunday, though, yes, I'd love for you to see you on church on Sunday. So hear the invitation, you are welcome. And that is an important and beautiful thing to do together as a community. But it's so much bigger than that. It is living in a community centered around Jesus and being shaped by the Holy Spirit. You know, at church, um, in, at church today in person, um, if you come to the Vine Church, we'll be taking communion together and breaking bread together and though in the first century it was a full meal and we do that a lot here in at the vine church we have a whole lot of meals we love food and we love talking and we love being together um, communion has changed and evolved in the way we take it um, but the symbolism is the same the bread that represents jesus's body the blood the the juice that represents his blood and we will remember together today that Jesus was crucified, but he is the risen Savior. that He is our Lord and Messiah. And through Jesus, we have access to new life, to mercy and grace. And through Jesus, we are called into a different type of community that we see around us, a community that is centered on Jesus' teachings of love and a community that is empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in us. God desires to be so close to us that God gives us the Holy Spirit, his presence to live within us and around us. And we get to walk in step with the presence of God. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So if you're listening online, I encourage you um, after after this message, to to grab some elements, grab some bread and juice, and take communion either on your own or, or with someone in your household. Um, and remember who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. I want to close today in a prayer of thanksgiving to, to Jesus for what he has done. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. You are Amazing. Lord, you, you are, you are the risen savior and for your love and your mercy and your grace, we are so thankful. And Lord, today, as we look at community, we are also thankful for the type of community that you have created for us. And the Holy Spirit empowers. Lord, teach us to be this loving, Jesus-centered, Holy Spirit-shaped community. Lord, a community that loves deeply, a healthy community operating in safe and good and loving ways towards each other and also towards Uh, a larger community of the Tri-Cities. God, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this call. And Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. And we ask that you would empower us to live out this type of community committed to the radical love of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a great week.